Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hello, podcast listeners. I regret to inform you that we were not able to do part two like we wanted to on Friday during this podcast. Life kind of got in the way. And because of that, we just had to move on with what we had. But the EU did vote and they decided to put a price cap on Russian oil imports. You know, the market's going to feel it in some way, shape or form with this price cap for Russian oil going forward. But there are other events, too, that could potentially cause either more chaos in the oil markets or it's going to not cause anything to happen. It's hard to tell. But in today's articles that we're going to be talking about, we got some news from a company called NowRx. NowRx is making some news, and we got to be able to cover it a little bit. And as a current investor of the company, you guys be a little worried, and at the same time, a little intrigued by what's going on with the company as well. They have some news from the startup world as well. There's a startup that is being backed by Tesla investors that promises to have a flying car soon and what this trend means going forward. Then there's some news coming out of China, which is big and it's good or bad, depending on how you look on it. One of the news that we're going to be covering in today's podcast has to do with the fact that China is starting to ease up on its COVID policies. And at the same time, manufacturing might be down from China coming to the United States and how that could affect the United States. And the last thing that we're going to talk about in today's podcast is, is the big news has to do with OPEC and how OPEC, their news might f- potentially affect the markets. And it ha- actually ties in with China too that we're talking about today as well. So with that being said, I have to remind you all that I'm not a professional, professional advisor in any way, shape or form. Everything I talk about in this podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. You need to do your own research before investing as you're not guaranteed to make money in the stock market. Please note that I am an, an investor in now our X. It is a short position, but a long-term position in the company. And I legally cannot give you financial advice. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. You need to do your own research before investing or talk to your professional advisor as your professional advisor would be able to help you know where to invest your money. With that being said, let's begin today's podcast. Now our X pharmacy patient business acquired by Alto Pharmacy. From Mountain View, California, a tech-powered pharmacy that provides same-day prescription delivery and telehealth services announced today that Alto Pharmacy has agreed to acquire NowRx patient files in California. Terms of the transaction were not not disclosed. Beginning November 30th of 2022, Alto Pharmacy will provide all prescription delivery and services to NowRx patients in California, ensuring continuing the high-quality service that NowRx customers have come to expect. To facilitate seamless customer support, any patient with active prescriptions with the automatically transfer to Alto, individuals should not need to independently initiate transfers. Going forward, now our ex-patients can contact Alto Pharmacy with any questions or requests relating to their pharmacy needs. Quote, Alto, Arm- Alto Pharmacy has provided, correction, quote, Alto Pharmacy has a proven track record of excellent customer service and, and competitive pricing so that we are thrilled that our patients will continue to receive a, the a high level of service going forward. They are in great hands with Alto Pharmacy, said Carrie Breeze, CEO of NowRx. Okay. This is interesting. Okay. NowRx was has a very, very fascinating business model. NowRx was able to deliver drugs to your home 
without you having to step foot in a pharmacy again. It's an excellent business model that when I was first introduced to it, I think, I think 2018, I remember thinking this is going to be the king of pharmacy in the making. What has me concerned now is the fact that this transaction happened. Does this mean that now our X is going to be bought out? Or does it mean that now our X is going to be filing for bankruptcy soon? I don't know. There's not a lot of information right now. It just seems like they've just sold off part of their business, which means it seems like they're going to be selling off the rest of their business going forward. And like I said, as a shareholder, this this concerns me. And like I've told you all, you're not guaranteed to make money when you invest in startups. And that was part of the risk I took when investing in this company because I thought the business model was really, really great. And now I don't know where, what my future holds. And that's fine. That's a risk I had to take. So, But it's just interesting to see. I also wonder too, if this means too, that maybe Alto Pharmacy in the next couple of days is going to be making an announcement saying that they're buying out the rest of the company. Or is it that now our X is going to end up selling the rest of its business to other businesses across the United States? It's hard to tell, but at least as of right now, just from looking at it, I mean, they got rid of, they pretty much sold all their, they, they, they sold all their patient business to Alto Pharmacy. So I don't know what the future holds for now RX, but it is fascinating to see that what I thought was going to be this great company in the making is now pretty much disappearing, it looks like. But it, it's just my thought at the end of the day. I mean, just reading this article, it just seems like you, you're you getting rid of your breadbasket of where you're making your money. So, But they probably have other technologies too that they'll probably end up using going forward. It's hard to tell, but hopefully in the next couple of days, we'll get more a clear understanding what's happening with NowRx going forward. So next article now, startup backed by Tesla investor promises 300,000 flying car by 2025. Quote, this is not more complicated than the Toyota Corolla. The promise of a future filled with flying cars is nothing new. For decades, florists have touted the dream of your car lifting off and soaring above the traffic jam. So the, mo so the most interesting part of the recent prototype announcement from Santa Clara, California-based A-Leaf Aeronamics may not be the car itself, said A-Leaf, say will be able to take off in the air vertically and fly, fly like a helicopter up to 110 miles in a single charge. It's the timing, the company says. It's plans to begin delivering the vehicles to customers by the end of 2025. A-Leaf Models A will cost 300000 and pre-sales are currently open with interest customers able to pay just a 150 deposit to get on the waiting list of the 1,500 for a priority spot on the list. A-Leaf says the company has been test driving and flying its prototype since 2019. And the version it plans to deliver to customers will also have a driving range of 200 miles. A-Leaf CEO tells CNBC make it that the car is mostly intended to stay on roads, ideally only traveling through the air for short heights and distances to avoid specific obstacles. He refers to those moments as hop scenarios where the customer mainly uses the vehicle as a car and only hop over obstacles when needed. In a statement in October, the CEO referred road conditions, weather, and infrastructure as potential reasons to briefly take flight. Quote, it's a bold concept, but for a flying car to actually appear on highways anytime soon, a lot needs to happen, experts say. A challenging road of legality and mass production. The car design includes a carbon fiber body with an open mesh-like top that houses four propellers on each side. Once the car takes off vertically, the entire vehicle turns on its side. With the two-seat cockpit swiveling as well, allowing the propeller to steal as its oversized flying drone. As, the, as far as driving the vehicle, A-Leaf says it's designed to adhere to automotive laws and regulations, making it road legal according to the company. You know... 
this has been a trend that's been coming around, okay? I think it was recently, and we talked about this in past podcasts, and I advise listening to about it. And I can't remember what company it was, but there was a company that was working with an airline, or maybe it was a defense manufacturer company. I can't remember which one it was, that they were trying to get more flying cars in the United States. This might be a trend going forward on Wall Street, okay? This has been talked about for a while. I remember when I worked for my last company uh, back in 2019, 2020, I think it was. I remember when I was the, I guess, the ultimate caller for that company. I remember having to call a company and I can't remember the company's name, but they were, I remember doing some research on the company and I remember discovering that they were trying to make flying cars at this company. It was a company based in Texas, if I'm not mistaken. It's hard to remember what the company it was at the time. It's been so long ago, but they were in the works at that time, back in 2019, 2020, right? As COVID was about ready to hit, that they were trying to make flying cars. Because I remember that, because I remember thinking, I was like, wow, this is fascinating that now they're trying to actually make flying cars, even though they weren't officially flying cars. It was like a helicopter design, but they were pretty much marketing it as a flying type vehicle in the making. And now you have this company, a new one called A-Leaf coming forward, trying to do almost the exact same thing. And it's backed by Tesla investors. You know, maybe that's where Tesla's next growth phase will be. Tesla will realize like, hey, we are the EV leader and we want to continue to be a technology company. Because at the end of the day, like when I think of Tesla going forward, I don't think of Tesla as just a car company. I think of Tesla as a technology company. Okay. It just happens to be that they're in the car manufacturing business. And that's one thing a lot of these car companies are going to have trouble with is they're a manufacturing type company and same with Tesla, but Tesla is mostly an electronic company, not electronic, a technology company. And maybe this is where Tesla goes next. Maybe they decide they need to buy out one of these companies to expand their portfolio of the next innovation. I mean, it's very Tesla-like thinking too, if you think about it. Obviously, this is financial advice, but it is fascinating to see how this is going to be the future where things are going. Flying cars, potentially. I mean, think about that. In the next few years, you might be driving on your roads and you'll see flying cars above you because people don't want to be stuck in traffic. That'd be an interesting thing to look at. Except then I wonder too, if it's going to cause air traffic to happen, like a lot of air traffic. Because they're saying in this article that they would use the roads to be able to determine where they're driving to. It'd be a really weird future. You're seeing flying cars in traffic jam and you're seeing actual cars too. Yeah, that's that's a that's an interesting future we're becoming into right now. Almost like the Jetsons in the making. So, continuing on, Beijing is loosening more COVID curbs as China easing gathers pace. Okay, Beijing residents cheered the removal of COVID nineteen testing booths. While I think the the city is called Shenzhen, I'm just gonna call it Shen going forward. Followed other cities in announcing it would no longer require commuters to prevent their test results to travel and an easing of Chinese China's virus curbs gathered pace. Although daily cases hover near all-time highs, some cities are taking steps to loosen COVID-19 testing requirements and quarantine rules as China looks to make its zero COVID policy more targeted, aimed, and economic slowdown and public fr- frustration that has boiled into unrest. Three years ago into the pandemic, China has been a global outlier with the zero-tolerance policy approach towards COVID. It has seen its enforced lockdowns and frequent virus testing. It says the measures are needed to save lives and over uh, correction to save lives and avoid overwhelming its healthcare system. China began tweaking its approach last month, urging uh, lo- local local 
localities to become more targeted. Initial reaction, however, were marked with confusion and even tighter lockdowns as city scrambled to keep on rising cases. Then a deadly apartment fire happened last month in a far western city and sparked dozens of protests against COVID curbs in a wave unprecedented in mainland China since President Xi took power in 2012. Cities including, uh, I don't know how to say that one, Gong, Gong's who I want to say, and Beijing have since taken the lead in, change, in making changes. Now, they're saying here, less testing, and there apparently will be further reductions coming. We're not going to worry about the less testing part. We are going to talk about the further reductions that are coming. China is set to further announce a nationwide reduction in testing requirements, as well as the following positive cases and close contacts to isolated homes on certain conditions. Sources familiar with the matter told Rutgers earlier this week. Xi, during a meeting with European officials in Beijing on Thursday, blamed the mass protest on youth frustration by years of COVID-19 pandemic, but said the new dominant Omicron variant of the virus paved the way for fewer restrictions, EU officials said. Officials have only recently begun to downplay the dangers of Omicron, a significant change in messaging in a country where fear of COVID has run deep. On Friday, some Beijing neighborhoods posted guidelines on social media on how positive cases can be quarantined at home, a landmark move that marks a break from gui- from official guidance to send such people into to central quarantine. Still, the relief has been accompanied by concerns, especially from groups such as the elderly who feel more exposed to a disease authorities have constantly described as deadly until this week. Highlighted the difficulties Xi and Chinese leaders facing is loosening. Correction, the Chinese leaders face is loosening. You know, with China potentially doing this, this means China's economy could be on the rebound soon. Okay. And the only reason I say that is because now that they're loosening up the rules a little bit, at least with the COVID rules that they've had there, it means people will begin going back to work soon in China, potentially. There's there's still not a guarantee. Okay. And the manufacturing side of things will get interesting, but then there's also this re- report from the state of freight. It says here, manufacturing orders from China down 40% in unlenting demand collapse. U.S. logistic managers are bracing for delays in delivery of goods from China in early January as a result of canceling sailings and container ships and rollovers of exports by ocean carriers. Carriers have been executing on the active capacity management strategy by announcing more blank sailings and suspending services to balance supply with demand. The unrentling decline in container freight rates from Asia caused by a collapse in demand is compelling ocean carriers to blank more sailings more than ever before as vessel utilization hits new lows, said Joe, the CEO of Worldwide Logistics Group. U.S. manufacturing orders in China are down 40%, according to the latest CNBC supply chain heat map data. As a result of the decrease in orders, Worldwide Logistics tells CNBC is expecting China factories to Chinese factories to shut down two weeks earlier than usual for the Chinese Lunar New Year. Chinese New Year's Eve falls on January 21st next year. The seven days after the holiday are considered a national holiday. Quote, many of the manufacturers will be closed in early January for the holiday, which is much earlier than last year. Supply chain research firm Project 44 tells CNBC that after researching record-breaking levels of trade during the pandemic lockdowns, vessel TEU, 20-foot equivalent units, volume from China to the U.S. has significantly pulled back since the end of the summer of 2022, including a decline of 21% in total vessel container volume between August and November. Asia-based global shipping firm HLS warned clients in a recent communication that ocean transportation business climate. Quote, it seems to be a very bad time for the shipping industry. We have a combination of declining demand and overcapacity as new tonnage enters the market, it wrote. HLS analysis are predicting a further 2.5% decrease 
a correction 2.5% decline in container volumes and a nearly 5 to 6% increase in capacity in 2023, which will continue to negatively impact freight rates in 2023. Quote, the container shipping market will be further complicated by economic uncertainty, geopolitical concerns, and also the increasingly heated market competition, HLS wrote. OLUSA CEO Alan Barry told CNBC that there are some earlier signs of inventory correction, overall business volumes, and order flow out of Asia continue to be muted as carriers cancel more vessels, and there is a little more momentum leading into the Chinese New Year. But Bear said space has already been tightened, so while demand is soft, space may be uh, pre, pre, premium in January. Though the Q1, on the plus side, inventory depletion and the need to restart the order and delivery cycle appears to be itching upward. You know, they're saying in this article that the West Coast is going to take a hit because of this. I mean, it says here, uh, the large West Coast port of Los Angeles and Long Beach have experienced the largest drop in trade, which I don't believe, and I'll get to that in a second. According to Joss Brazil, Vice President of Supply Chain Insight at Project 44, as shippers also rerouted some of the shipments to the East Coast to avoid the risk of major union strikes on the West Coast ports. HLS expected more, most carriers to expand their West Coast rates until December 14th, holding at 1,300 through 1,400 per 40-foot equivalent containers. However, the U.S. East Coast rates are expected to drop by $200 or $300 to average of 3,200 to 3,300 per FEU in the first half of December. So one of the reasons I don't believe these ports are slowing down is when I when I coach volleyball sometimes on the beach right now, I still see containers out there at times. Not 100%. Now, maybe those are also oil containers because in Huntington, there's also uh, oil containers out there too. At least uh, there's oil rigs in the Huntington Beach area in California. But it seems like there is... There, there is a backlog still happening because once in a while, like on a really clear day, you can still see ships out there. And now maybe those are just ships just waiting to get into port. Could be. But I feel like there's still a backlog because remember too, Joe Biden recently passed a law saying that the unions of the railroad companies couldn't go on strike, which is a whole discussion for a whole other day, but not for this podcast segment right now. But they're saying here, too, that there's a surprise European manufacturing increase. It says, unlike the decrease in orders out of China, trade data analysis like Project 44 indicates that the European to U.S. route is one of the possible most surprising and certainly most significant developments since early 2020. This sharp rise cannot be explained by the pandemic alone, but a strategic shift from over-dependency on trade with China and geopolitical tensions over Russia over the main drivers of the EU-U.S. trade boom, he said. The global trading map is beginning rapidly redrawn with the EU EU-US trade investment in US rising sharply as economic ties between the West and China are expected to critically scrutiny. This year, the US has imported more goods from Europe than in China, a big shift from 2010, according to Project 44. You know, probably one reason why there's a lot more coming in from Europe, uh, probably because, for instance, like we can't get chips right now, right? And some of the chip plants are in Europe. I'm not saying all the chip plants are in Europe, but I do know we've talked about how there is some chip plants in Europe because they're trying to divest away from China. And obviously the United States is trying to make more chips within the country itself. Okay, it says German exports to the U.S. were almost 50% higher in September year over year. Germany's me me mechanical engineering sector has boosted its exports to the U.S. by almost 20% in a year-over-year -year comparison over the first nine months of 2022. It's it's weird. I mean, they're, they're building in Europe right now, and no one's talking about this right now. 
are always talking about China, 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 China. CNBC is not talking about how there's things coming from Europe, okay? Like, it's just weird. I, I mean, what are we getting from Europe? Hard to tell. But we are not relying so much on China anymore. So does that mean China is no longer going to become a superpower in the making? Don't know. But what is important to point out too is even though right now China and China, the manufacturing is going down and we're not receiving as much, that could change in all honesty. Okay. It says here from the energy sector of CNBC, OPEC plus agrees to stick to its existing policy of reducing oil production ahead of Russian sanctions. From CNBC, an influential alliance of oil producers on Sunday agreed to stay the course of output policy ahead of pending ban from the European Union on Russian crude. OPEC and non-OPEC producers, a group of 23 oil producing nations known as OPEC Plus, decided to stick to its existing policy of reducing oil production by 2 million barrels per day, or about 2% of the world's demand from November until the end of 2023. Energy analysis had expected OPEC Plus to consider fresh price supporting production cuts ahead of the possible double blow to Russian oil revenues. The European Union is posed to ban all imports of Russian seaborne crude from Monday, while the U.S. and other members of the G7 will impose a price cap on the oil Russian sell to countries around the world. The Kremlin has previously warned that any attempt to impose a price cap on Russian oil will cause more harm than good. Oil prices have fallen to below $90 a barrel and from 120 in early June, ahead of the potential disruptive sanctions on Russian oil weakening crude demand in China and mounting fears of recession. Led by Saudi Arabia and Russia, OPEC Plus agreed in early October to reduce production by 2 million barrels per day from November. It came despite calls from the U.S. the group to pump more to lower fuel prices and help the global economy. Okay. Read that again one more time. Okay. The, the, at least the first part. Okay. OPEC and non-OPEC reduced uh, production. Wrong part. An influence alliance of oil production on Sunday agreed to stay the course of output policy ahead of pending ban from the European Union and Russian crude. Okay. I think they're betting on this. I think this is what OPEC is betting. I think OPEC is betting right now. And we were wrong on this podcast because we thought the cut was coming too. We think that OPEC plus currently, and this isn't financial advice. This is never financial advice in this podcast. It's just information. I personally think that OPEC is planning for China's to open up in all honestly. Okay. And this is why. Okay. We're getting conflicting reports from China, right? Like we just read. They're saying COVID's being eased a little bit more. They're expecting less manufacturing to coming from China in the beginning of the year. But if they're easing COVID right now, that also means people will be going back to work, which means people are going to need gasoline within their own nation of China. Okay. They're going to need more energy to get those factories and manufacturing plants back and running at full capacity, potentially. It's weird. It's, and honestly, it's weird to think that this is happening. But I mean, what OPEC Plus is doing, they're doing what they think is right, at least in their opinion. And like I've mentioned in past podcasts, countries are going to do what they need to do to survive. And it seems like right now OPEC believes they can still make a lot of money if they keep production levels the way that they are. I also somewhat believe is they're also trying to figure out what's going on with China right now. Because if China opens up, you can potentially see a lot of gas prices going up too. Because there won't be enough oil to meet the demand that China's going to need potentially. That's one reason why gas prices haven't spiked as much is because... At least in one regard, there's probably a bunch of other reasons why it hasn't spiked up as much. But it's one reason is because China is not, it's not, well, I wouldn't say they're not working as much, but they're not producing as much right now, it seems like. At least that's what we've been reporting here from what we read articles from CNBC, NBC, Rudders, Business Wire, you name it. 
So at the end of the day, this is what it seems like it's going to be happening. They're looking to see what China's going to do. And honestly, if China opens up and there becomes a huge demand for oil, it's a win-win for OPEC at this point, at this point. And honestly, because they're going to realize, hey, we don't need to, we'll have to consider producing more oil if the demand is too high. Or they'll just say, we'll just keep production levels the way they are so we can make more money. I don't know what's going to happen. I will keep reporting as much as I can on this when I can, but it's, it's all depending on China at this point. If China's loosening its COVID policy, there's a high probability they're going to be energy hungry at this point. Now, then again, maybe China just decides to get all their oil from Russia at the end of the day. And then OPEC can just produce oil for the rest of the world. And then OPEC can just buy oil from Russia too. I mean, they're already putting a price gap for the G7 on Russian oil. And obviously China's not going to care about that. Obviously a country like India is going to do whatever China does at the end of the day. So there's going to be a lot of cheap fuel running around soon. And some countries are going to get it. Some are not. But yeah, we got to pay attention to China. What China does next will eventually affect what OPEC does next as well. Or what, or how much money I guess OPEC will be making at the end of the day. So I'll leave it there. With that being said, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I hope you have enjoyed it. If you have, please like and subscribe to this podcast. Every like and subscription helps grow this podcast. So we'll be able to keep talking about events. And so that you don't miss a podcast episode to know what is happening in the stock market at times since Wall Street can't always report all the news. Please also continue sharing with friends or family to my faithful listeners. You have helped us grow this so far. Continue to keep sharing our podcast with as many people as you can as this helps get the word out there what's happening. Thank you so much for my current podcast listeners for being faithful listeners. With that being said, thank you so much for listening to this podcast today. Thank you and goodbye.